Welcome to a new Neon Jazz interview with another talented piece of a thriving jazz pool in 2013's Kansas City scene. Trombonist and leader of the band Project H, Mr. Ryan Heinlein. Over the course of this interview, he talks about growing up in Wichita, seeing the world in a ska band while he got his music chops developed, the power of Mingus, along with much, much more. Dig it. I'm going to start out from the top here. Where were you born and raised? Uh, I was actually, I was born in Hutchinson, Kansas, and then uh, grew up in uh, Wichita. Uh, and I lived there until I was 28. I've been... Uh, actually, I think t today might be like, I think I've been in Kansas City exactly five years now. Oh, cool. So what was it like growing up in Wichita as far as, you know, incubating kind of a jazz background for you? <laughs> uh, pretty non-existent, really. Uh, <laughs> like my high school, uh, like I had a deep, I was in a decent high school music program, but our like our jazz band, like we played and Glenn Miller and like Chicago tunes. And so I, I remember getting, I, I went to Wichita State and had, they had a decent jazz program and a good director. And I remember going into the director's office and he's asking, he's like, so do you listen to jazz? I was like, I listen to Chicago and I, I've got a Glenn Miller record. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So really, like once I got into, once I got into college in Wichita, that's really sort of where I got interested in jazz. And, you know, I play, I, I was like third chair in the second band my freshman year. I, you know, I wasn't that good or anything um, as far as Wichita State is concerned. And slowly, you know, probably my, probably my second, third year in college is when I really started to take an interest. I, I joined, there was a combo that, um, you know, it, it wasn't like a school-run combo. It was just a group of guys uh, and a girl that were really into jazz, and they asked me to play. And so that's sort of where I started really listening to jazz and getting into jazz and becoming interested and pursuing it and writing and everything like that. Who really moved you in the beginning? What's that? What musicians really moved you in the beginning? Uh, the, 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 the main one was uh, Mingus. Uh, he was he was sort of the one that really piqued my interest because I like that that meeting with the jazz director. He's asking he's asking me, well, you're like, well, if you don't listen to jazz, what type of music do you really like? And I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of alternatives and 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 rap and things like that. And I was like, I I but I like things that make me think. I like things that I you know I have to think about and I like to try and analyze it. So the first thing he played me was actually. Uh, uh, Tijuana Moods, or uh, I think that yeah, that was the record. New Tijuana Moods by Mingus. He played me that and gave me like three Mingus albums to listen to, or CDs, I guess, not really albums. Um, so he gave me three of those, um, and then I, I got a uh, you know, I got into uh, Dave Brubeck a little bit, just you know, just with the time out with the all the tunes with the odd time signatures, just trying to listen to that. And then I actually started listening to trombone players after that and started getting into JJ and uh, JJ Johnson and Frank Rosalino. So, so what was it about the trombone that made you levitate towards it? <laughs> um, my, was it my sixth grade band director actually made me play. I wanted to play saxophone, but 
and I, I was horrible at it and could barely make a sound. And he, you know, you know, trying the brass instrument, I could actually get a decent buzz on the instrument, I guess. And he's like, you should play trombone. So I played trombone. I, I started on trombone and was actually ready to, like, I was ready to quit music. I was a base, I, you know, I was really into baseball. I was a decent baseball player, and I wanted to play baseball in high school and um, ended up sticking with music and, and really, like, falling in love with performing and everything like that, you know, getting goosebumps from performing and seeing people's reaction to, uh, you know, something that you're creating or playing and gave up gave up sports and focused on music. So, um, you know, the, the trombone, like, I didn't really pick the, the trombone was like my third choice out of three instruments that I wanted to play. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I think it's worked out a little bit. Sure, sure. So yeah. with, without being presumptuous, so it started in sixth grade with you, with the trombone. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about your family. How are they, have they, how have they influenced your musical pursuits? And just kind of talk to me about them a little bit. Um. I've got a very wide background as far as like as far as musical taste. Um, I grew up listening to pop music. Like my parents raised, you know, my parents raised me on a healthy diet of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Santana and Tower of Power. And then I have a older, I have an older brother and an older sister. They're eight years and five years older than me, respectively. Uh, they, I mean. Growing up in the 80s, I listened. I had everything from Michael Jackson to Metallica to Bob Marley to Hank Williams Jr. You know, just being thrown at me on top of all the like all the older music that my parents listened to. And so, like as far as pop, like like growing up around music, I was always around music. My dad is a keyboardist. He played in cover bands in South Central Kansas. So I, I got a, you know. I got a good idea of what gigging was like at an early age and, you know, going out into Western Kansas and doing, you know, loading up gear and taking a van ride, you know, four or five hours out into the middle of nowhere and playing dances and, and then loading stuff up and getting home at four in the morning. I remember doing that when I was 10 or 11 with my dad, just cause you know, it was easier just to take me out there. Um, but then, yeah, just, you know, everything from, listening to my parents' music, to stealing my brother's and sister's records or tapes and, and listening to those. Uh, it gave me a really wide uh, spectrum of influence, I guess, for the type of music that I grew up on. And then, of course, once I got into college is when I started to get into jazz. So it's all kind of meshed together on how I play and how I write. Speaking of influences on you, I've noticed that you were coached by Elliot Mason why Cliff Gordon? What was that like? Uh, really, really cool. Um, I've got, um, I've been fortunate enough to, whenever, you know, Elliot is sponsored by uh, a trombone maker in town. And so he comes in every, you know, once or twice a year. And um, he comes in once or twice a year to work on horns. And, and maybe, you know, he plays a little bit every, uh, sometimes when he's here. Uh, so I've been fortunate enough to just get lessons set up with him every time and keep in contact with him uh, outside of that and just kind of tell him what I'm working on. And he throws a, a few things on that. And he is, like, his, Elliot Mason's style of play is just so, uh, it, it's incredible to me. Like, he doesn't sound like a, I don't think he sounds like a trombone should sound, but I love it. Um, 
and just getting into like his harmonic concepts and everything like that it uh was really it sounds really really complex but at its core it's such a simple idea of what he does and just trying you know trying to work on that and it's really taken a long time just to kind of rewire myself and i'm still it's something i'm still working on it's just rewiring myself on how to approach you know improvisation and then with Wycliffe, um Wycliffe, I, i've only i've only uh got to play with a couple times it started out with just a uh i got asked to drive him from topeka to wichita one time he was playing a gig in topeka and then he had to go down to uh Wichita and uh, one of the jazz directors at a smaller college in Wichita asked me if I would go and pick him up and she'd pay me gas and stuff. So I got to spend two hours in a car with him and was like, okay, I've got the like one of the best trombone players in the world in my front seat with me. I had to just like, you know, I tried to keep my distance at first and let him do his thing. He, he was, you know, he was listening to music and he's, you know, he's like, can, can I listen to these recordings? He's like, by all means, like, <laughs> please let me hear these things that no one ever else has heard. Um, and then finally, I just sort of, sort of just, you know, started to start conversation with him and just kind of pick his brain about approach. And we ended up having a lesson in Wichita. And then uh, I've had one other lesson uh, with him. And I mean, he's just so rooted in, you know, the 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 blues and the, and like the gospel music. You know, his influences uh, and how he was brought up. And, and you know, seeing that, seeing him, hearing him play, and seeing. And hearing what his background was, it really makes sense as far as his, uh, uh, you know, how, his style of play. So, man, that's a gift right there from a genie in a <laughs> bottle to have to sit in a car for two hours with somebody that's uh, basically an idol. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough trip. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, so, talk to me about the bands and projects that you've been involved with over the years. We're going to get to Project H, but I kind of want to have a timeline leading up to today what you've been involved with sure um i started um i started playing like i guess my first professional gig was uh, i was 15 um the uh there were a, a small in high school there was a small group of kids that were in the uh, big band they got to open up um, for Gooding. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gooding. Yeah. Uh, a, um, he was a former student of my former band, uh, my old band director. And so he came in and worked, you know, just hung out and worked. His band worked with the the big band in high school. And then he picked a few of us and worked a couple tunes and asked us to come play a gig with him. Uh, and so we did that. And then, uh, I joined a, uh, you know, in the mid nineties, you know, as a trombone player trying to, you know, with dreams of becoming like a rock star and being a very mediocre guitarist, the only route I really had was to join a ska band. And so I, I was in a ska band for like 10 years in Wichita and was able, I, you know, was able to open up for some pretty big artists and tour the country doing that, uh, through college, which was pretty cool. Um, and then, like I said, I joined that jazz combo, uh, in Wichita, it was called the Colossal Jazz Ensemble, which was seven, six or seven of us, and we really focused on just writing our own tunes. And I never really wrote anything for that group. The, the bassist and the um, the bassist and the trumpet player wrote a lot of the tunes, and the drummer wrote a lot of tunes too. Uh, but that kind of piqued my interest in, in writing, and I really wasn't comfortable with it. I wasn't comfortable with sharing music with you know sharing my ideas and just kind of laying myself out there for people. 
Um, but, you know, we, we were around for quite a while until, you know, most of the, most of the musicians, I think there's only one of them that still lives in Wichita. There's a couple that live in, lived in New York and played with Junior Mance and a couple of them are in the Air Force now doing Air Force bands in one way or another. So that, that, the college, the colossal kind of, you know, when everyone went their separate ways, everyone's still doing something pretty unique and pretty, pretty cool. So those, those were my two big things on, you know, my two big, like full-time groups on aside from, you know, just regular freelancing and everything. And then, uh, I was actually a, a five through 12 band director in Wichita at a private school, uh, for three years before the three years before I moved to Kansas city. Cool. Very cool. So it sounds like everything's kind of culminated to the project H, which yeah. sounds very interesting. What what is that like? It seems like it's been kind of a labor of love and, and kind of an apex of where you're at as a musician now. Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, it, I think it really is. It's it's a it started. It was a culmination of everything, all the all the things in Wichita before you know before that. It was. Uh, yeah, you know, I would. I I was wanting to write. Colossal was done. Ophil, the, the ska band was done, and I still wanted to play. I, I, you know, I was happy freelancing and making money doing that, but I kind of wanted to do do my own thing that focused on trombone, because there was so there's so little you know music that's like, hey, the trombone player is leading the band. It's not a saxophone player or a singer or anything like that. So I started writing. Um, I wrote a few tunes for just trombone, and then I decided, like, well, it might sound good with sax, and oh, it might sound good with a trumpet. And so I put together, um, I just, I had like five tunes written, and I I uh, put together a rehearsal just to see what the music sounded like, because uh, aside from me, you know, half-heartedly chunking away on piano at it or putting it in a, like, Sibelius and, and hearing horrible MIDI versions of my music, uh, so I, I got this, those people together and, and listened to it and was like, okay, that's cool. And then I, I scheduled a gig for the, there was a, like a new music festival in Wichita. I, I was able to get on, uh, it was probably four or five months after that rehearsal. And we put, I, I, I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and actually started the band in Wichita about a, you know, we started getting regular gigs about a year before I, uh, planned on moving to Kansas City anyway. So we played some gigs, recorded a recorded a CD down there, and then I immediately moved up here, uh, so I had already planned on it. And really just, you know, once I got into the, the jazz scene and the music scene up here, trying to find the right pieces to continue that up here. And, you know, a lot of my writing is just, a, it's a, you know, it's just a big stew of past influences or, you know, thing, you know, issues that I'm going through personally or whatever right now. So Sure. Which is the way music should be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. So you it sounds like especially with the ska band, you've really traveled around the country and even the world. Where have been some of your favorite places that you performed? Um my my favorite so far has been uh, I was I was in the I was in Bobby Watson's band at UMKC 
uh, two years ago and we went, we went to Japan. That was definitely a highlight, being able to go to Japan and play and perform for uh, the people over there for 10 days and how receptive they were to jazz. It was just sort of, a, you know, such a beautiful place. Like, I was I was excited to go to Japan because it was a new place, but, it, you know, if, if you had asked me to write down, like, the four or five places in the world I want, would want to visit, Japan wouldn't have been on that. But that, like, I want to go back again so bad just because it it's beautiful and it's, it's such a nice place and people are friendly and really receptive to jazz. Um, so Japan would be the first place. Um, <clears throat> there was a, um, and actually one of, one of my favorite places to play, uh, in the, in the country is in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, it was, and it was, it, it's since been closed down, I think now, but it was just a, there was a place we played on the little college, the bar strip in, in Oklahoma. We would play there once every month or two. Uh, and it was just a, it was just a blast, the, you know, just being able to hang out with people afterwards and there's a really good chili dog place next to it nice <laughs> that was a uh, chili dogs with green tabasco and uh fritos on it were amazing oh man yeah i can't shake that imagery right there that's all right <laughs> man so yeah let's talk about kansas city a couple things first of all it seems like the scene's really flourishing there's a good crop going on right now you guys have some good venues to play at talk to me about kansas city uh, Kansas City has been absolutely amazing, and I'm, I feel very fortunate to be able to work with some of the people I work with and play with some of the people that I play with right now. Um, you know, when when I first got here, and, and especially just, you know, from Project H, uh, from that viewpoint, you know, it was it was once I found the right people for the, you know, we played a few gigs with people, and, and no one really did a bad job, but just... I found the right chemistry. Uh, you know, when Jardines was open, that was a good place to play. And I was really worried about. Uh, I was really worried about what was going to happen once that place closed down. But I think having that place closed down has really allowed for more venues to. Oh, I mean, with you know, you've got the Green Lady Lounge and the Kill Devil, which are actually two places of uh, Project H that were played. But there's. I think there's a, there's a really good group of young musicians and there's a great group of old musicians who really don't um one thing I encountered in Wichita was the old musicians really held on to the gigs and they really weren't that receptive to the younger crowd coming up and I think that was sort of hindered the scene in Wichita uh what I what I've seen here is I mean a lot of the older musicians have taken these younger musicians under their wing and really helped them and helped mold them and you know, through sometimes through tough love and sometimes through just straight guidance, you know, telling them, you know, showing them how to be professional, how to book a gig, how to act, um, and, and on top of, you know, how to play, you know, giving lessons and things like that. Uh, it's, it's been great, and I, I don't think there's very many clicks. Everyone kind of gets along and supports each other, and, you know, if you've got a free night uh, that you're not playing, a lot of times, you know, one of my first thoughts is, okay, I've got the night off. Who should I go watch tonight? Because there's always going to be someone to go watch, and I think that's such a great thing. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to move from this area just because it's so, it's so nice. It's it's just a healthy environment, and I think it's it really helps everyone kind of, you know, improve and 
like I said, I think it's just a, it's a great group of people and really, really good musicians, really down to earth. And yeah, I think Kansas City's great. So let me put the spotlight back on you. Talk to me about your accomplishments in life, both musically and personally, up to this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a wife and a kid. And I got a two-year-old boy, and I'm I'm really, really like that's probably the best thing ever so far is just being able you know one actually having having a supporting wife that i haven't completely scared away with bad deci- bad decisions and you know oh, you're, you're gonna go work tonight how much you know oh, i'm gonna go you know i'll go make 20 bucks or 30 bucks with a big band tonight and i'm gonna not hang out with you tonight so i can go make 30 dollars and she's totally cool with that yeah so you know just having having a you know being a being able to somewhat you know support my family to a point and, and be able to contribute um as sort of not the head of the household or anything like that but just you know just being a father and a, a good father and a good husband is probably my biggest accomplishment and as far as playing you know i don't know if i'm ever going to be satisfied with how i'm playing i always want to continue to improve i'm i'm happy with the process and the road that I've taken so far. And I'm, I'm proud that I have the, you know, the, the respect and the admiration of some, you know, the other, my peers in the, in the music community here where, you know, they're not a, you know, being able to get asked to play a gig is great, but just having people, you know, someone, you know, saying, yeah, you know, do you know any good trombone players or is there anyone worth hiring? You know, having you know, having someone throw my name out as one of the first people is I mean, that's that's what's I'm really happy with. I don't I don't expect to, you know, make, you know, tons of money being a musician or you know, any anything like that. And and when I was younger that's what I kinda of thought it, you know, you know, if you know, I wanna make it as a musician, that's what it meant, but it, that's not what it means to me anymore. It's just that, you know, having the respect of your peers and, and that's that's the biggest thing to me is just having the respect and having people not think I'm a complete hack at what I do. Sure. Is that, that's probably my biggest accomplishment right now. Um, I'm I'm finishing my doctorate in classical trombone in, next year, and that'll be a pretty big accomplishment as well. Uh, just being able to stick with it for this long and 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 pay the amount of money that schools want me to pay to take their classes and things like that. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, talk to me about uh, some of your short and long term plans. Uh, short term, right now, like this summer, I am really trying to just focus on writing material for the next album. I've got four songs. I've got two that are pretty much done, and two more that are almost done. I would like to have an, another ten to eleven songs uh, to pick and choose from for the next album. Uh, so I'm hoping to write that over the summer and, or get at least pretty solid over the summer and then possibly go back into a studio uh, in the winter. Um, that's, pro- that's really my one short-term goal right now. Is I'm pretty just, I'm focused on that. Long-term, uh, just continue to book the Project H in different places, with different types of bands, you know, we, we've kind of opened it up where, you know, we'll play with, uh, we'll play with a reggae band. We'll play with, we've 
played with folk acts. We've played with like hard rock bands before, and just and played all different. I mean, we're not limited to just the jazz clubs in Kansas City. We, you know, we're able to we sold out the record bar a couple weeks ago doing the Beck show, you know, doing the Beck project and having, you know, I used Project H as the opening band so we could play for 250 people. Um, you played the Czar Bar and the Riot Room, but have also, you know, we played Take Five and we're able to go through and, you know, pretty versatile and play wherever we want. So just to continue to do that, I think there's an audience for my music that is, you know, you know, it, there's there's a, you know, there's the jazz audience that will come and listen and uh, enjoy, hopefully. But I think there's an audience, you know, a younger alternative type crowd that, you know, even if they don't really aren't completely into the music, they appreciate it and will still they'll stay and listen. And I'm just, I'm trying to find that sort of audience, which is why we've you know played a replay and Lawrence and and just different with different types of bands, indie rock bands, and like I said, reggae bands and rappers. We've backed we've been able to back uh, Reach before at the record bar which was cool so just long term just continue to grow and and start to peek our head outside of kansas city every once in a while to you know possibly you know possibly like st louis and we still play quite uh i still play quite a bit down in wichita with this group i'm starting to bring the kansas city guys down now um as our gigs are without paying enough that i can actually get them down there now so very cool. That, that's pretty much my long term. Uh, finish finish this last degree. Uh, I teach. Uh, I'm an adjunct uh, low brass instructor at a small college southwest of town. Uh, continue to do that. Hopefully, get a college teaching job soon, and uh, just continue to write and play and progress. Right on. So, if you could go back in time and meet one jazz musician, who would it be, and why? Uh, just one. Just well, yeah. <laughs> we could throw another one in there. No, uh, <laughs> this will be good. This will be good for me to narrow it down. I forced me to do this now. Sure. Um, <clears throat> probably Mingus. I mean, that was he was the first. He was my first exposure to like like that's what really got me into jazz. Like I said, I, I had heard you know other people before just through playing their music in high school and stuff like that. But he was the first one where I listened to that. I listened to new Tijuana moods and went, all right, what's going on here? Why is, you know, I listened to it and I asked questions. So probably Mingus, just because he's the one that sort of, he was sort of the catalyst for me asking questions about this music and why, you know, why does this work here? Well, why, why did, why did they do that there? And, you know, I think that would be, great just from a, a compositional and analytical standpoint is just listening to you know i would love to sit down with him and listen to his records and go why okay what what's happening there and why'd you scream right there why did you why did you yell out there you know things like that so sure. very close um, so when you were player, trombone player wise probably frank rosalino just to get his back you know get his background and his upbringing I, there's so there's so many different stories about him and you know especially at the end of his life you know what what all was going on and what happened but you know before even that just you know he's probably my favorite trombone player of all time just because the way he plays so 
I would like to meet him. Very cool. So when you were in Japan, did you get a lot of people asking for your autograph? Uh, we did a couple, um, not a whole lot though. The, the one, the one interaction that I remember from Japan is we were playing a festival that was, it was so, it might've been sponsored by like Mitsubishi and it was like at the, like the real like Mitsubishi plant, just this huge, huge thing. But there were like a hundred and there were supposed to be like 110,000 people in this festival and you know maybe only a couple thousand were watching us but just there were tents and games and rides and uh food and music all over um and this guy comes up to me and ryan sharp who we're, we're both pretty big guys and he looks at me and he points and he goes american and ryan and i look at each other and go yeah and he comes and he shakes my belly. Like he comes and puts both hands on the sides of my belly and shakes it and goes, oh, American. Uh, and then he did it to Ryan. And like, if we weren't in Japan, the guy probably would have got punched. Yeah. But, That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, okay, this, that was, you know, in a way, it was kind of our rock star moment. Like this guy obviously hadn't really been around many Americans, which, you know, I wouldn't expect him to, but... You know, that, it was, evidently that was a special thing to him to see a uh, slightly overweight American be able to shake his belly. So <laughs> we went with it, and that's one thing that I probably will never forget. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good story. So when you look back on your life, is there anything that you would have done differently? Uh, I would, the only thing I wish I would have done is get into jazz earlier. You know, I was 20... 2021 20, before I really started to get into it a lot and really, you know, really play it. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything that I've done. You know, like I said, playing with, especially playing with that ska band, you know, I, at times, you know, things get really loud with that and, you know, it might have a long-term effect on my tone or, you know, playing in loud rock bands and things like that. Or, you know, playing for little to no money a lot of times because, you know, there's seven of us and we have to pay for gas and we had to pay for, you know, pay for CDs and things like that. Um, but the, the experiences that I got there, you know, being able to, you know, you know, play out and, you know, we would go to Colorado all the time. We would play in California and Las Vegas and go out to the West Coast a lot. It allowed me to travel and see a lot of parts of the world and see a lot of people and meet, I mean, uh, the dude from Maroon 5, it's Adam Levine, his, the band that he was in before Maroon 5 opened up for us, I got to meet Adam Levine when I was 15. I got to meet Gwen Stefani when I was 15. There's all kinds of really cool, just, I've got tons of stories about that that are probably inappropriate for even a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's those types of things that shaped who I am now. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm happy with the where I'm at and the way I'm going, the path that I'm on right now. And I probably wouldn't be on that path if I didn't do all this stuff before. So like I said, I'm ha I'm, I wouldn't change, you know, if I did change anything, it would probably be just to, uh, you know, get in, get in and take jazz a little bit more seriously at an earlier age. Very cool. So what was the last album or song you listened to before we talked today? Um, I recently, like, just in the last three days, I found uh, Casting for Gravity by Donnie McCaslin. Cool. And 
that CD so far has blown me away. Um, I don't even, the song that I listened, like I just found myself like putting this song on re, uh, uh, repeat and getting goosebumps listening to especially the end of the song. Uh, Pry uh, Grande or something. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's P-R-A-I-A and then Grande. Um, I keep listening to that song and I, for some reason I can't stop listening to it. Um, and that's what was in the, that was, was in the car before the, uh, the auto people called me back. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we get to the end here of the interview, I got one one last question. I want you, in the length of a tweet, to tell me who you are. In the length of a tweet? Yes. Okay. So 144 characters, man. <laughs> um, I am a... I am a trombone player from Kansas City. Uh, I'm one. Of, I think I'm one of the most versatile music, uh, trombone players in the area, and I'll do anything on a trombone. Very cool, man. Hey, Ryan, again, thanks for your time. Great, man. Thank you for everything you do, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players doing that jazz in Kansas City and around the country these days. And thanks to Ryan for his time and insight into his craft. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.